2: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There, the podcast where we take a wild approach to work and management.
1: Could this be the most frustrating sound in the world? A mosquito which bears the malaria parasite looking for its next snack, you. Parasites are everywhere. They could be sitting next to you at work. They might control your wages. They could even shape your behaviour without you knowing it. Those parasites could have psychopathic tendencies or even turn you into a sociopath. I'm Liana Brinded, head of Yahoo Finance UK, and I want to explore the best approach to navigate around parasitic behaviour at work and to find out if there's a way to use these characteristics to our advantage. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Joining me today is Dr Andrew Voke. He's a PhD in molecular parasitology. He also did a three year postdoctoral position at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and is currently working as a postdoctoral research assistant at King's College London. And also joining me is the wonderful Lindsay Dodgson, a reporter specialising in psychology, relationships and science for Insider and who has degrees in zoology and science journalism. So perfect for this podcast, right? (laughs) So this week we're talking about parasites and workplace relationships, not just between colleagues but also with bosses and of course how parasitic behaviour affects the host and the individual. So... Parasites, apart from giving us the heebie-jeebies, thinking about them, um, are they all that bad? Is it actually possible to have parasites that work well with their hosts?
2: Um, yeah. Uh, hi, Liana. <laughs> hello. Uh, hello. Um, so, uh, in general, well, the kind of more um, uh, dictionary definition, I guess, of parasitism, it does involve, um, uh, yeah, usually a more, like, yeah, a negative relationship. However, like, if... We look at another thing like yeah, symbiosis is essentially very similar, but that's, uh, that can then have positive relationships. So, yeah, there are certainly like yeah, plenty of relationships that, yeah, are essentially like a parasite, but positive, definitely. So, for example, our uh, what's known as our microbiome, which is uh, essentially the commensal bacteria, which is probably another uh, word that I need to explain. Um, so, like the bacteria that uh, reside on, say, for example, our skin or in our gut, um uh in fact that are so numerous um uh, many uh people kind of yeah quip that we are essentially just um biomechanical animals walking around as like tanks for these giant uh massive <laughs> giant. populations of bacteria which um uh, yeah again is uh again i don't get invited to parties much to be honest um, <laughs> uh, but anyway um or
1: ever eat uh,
2: yeah <laughs> um uh, so and yeah these uh things are uh, yeah, kind of sound incredibly gross, um, uh, but are actually absolutely critical for um, our uh, well-being, um, both physical and mental. In fact, yeah.
0: So that's the difference between like teamwork in a work, well-working company, and you know people and your colleagues who steal your ideas and drain your life force, I
2: guess. Indeed, yeah, <laughs> very much so, yeah. So what would
0: a, a, a well-symbiotic relationship in the
1: work look like? I mean, is that the equivalent of what we would call like work wives? That like, kind of thing? I guess thing?
0: so, yeah. Like work spouses, I mean, they can be both positive and negative. I think it all depends on, say you have a very close friend at work who is the opposite sex to you and you're straight, and your partner back home starts to have a problem with it. I think that's when it starts to get toxic. But if you're just using someone as, you know, somebody to bounce ideas off and you can just, like, complain about work together and you, like, complain about the same things, I mean, that's when it's, like, more beneficial to both of you. So it is beneficial in the end. It isn't... I guess. I mean, if you go into it and there isn't any sort of underlying sexual tension, then I guess it's probably fine. But sometimes I think that can probably get out of hand it all depends on your intentions. And you know, if things start to get a little bit inappropriate, then I think that's when you have a problem. So one thing about like symbiotic
1: relationships at work that, you know, I, I personally really like as well is more of the, you know, when it's with colleagues, and you really help each other out, because usually when we work in corporates or things like that, it's usually that whole old school dog eat dog world (laughs) and that kind of thing, right? But I actually find that when it's in with teams and with within companies, if you work together, that's a lot more productive for all of you. And it's actually enjoyable being in work. And I mean, you know, relating it back to like parasitic behaviour. I mean, that, that pretty much is kind of parasitic between each other. I mean, would you say in terms of the science behind that as well? I mean, there's uh, the thing about gut bacteria. That, that's something, right, that very much relates to showing how parasites can actually work for you
2: yeah so um yeah actually kind of very similar um uh, uh, to what uh, you were saying earlier like it's contextual right um uh, so uh yeah these same things that uh, day in day out um uh, are again you know critical for your well-being um if there's then uh, an imbalance um uh, in some manner for uh, for some reason then that can very quickly turn uh, bad so um, uh, there's a, a lot of evidence uh, now, mainly from um, animal models, sure. Um, uh, but yeah, So say there's then uh, more evidence coming out in humans as well, where, yeah, uh, kind of an imbalance in, uh, say, yeah, the microbiome in the gut can lead to, um, yeah, like exacerbating neurological conditions or you know, things like you know, uh, depression, anxiety, all of that, which then that kind of like feed, it ends up in a kind of feedback loop because then the more stressed you are, the more that then affects again in this case the gut microbiome. So, again there is that um, push and pull, um, um, and that again it can kind of quickly turn nasty. Yeah. So again, context is really important. Yeah.
1: Well, in that 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 vein of turning nasty, we're talking about just the, you know when we're talking about like symbiotic relationships, and you touched upon it with some of more of the old school romantic side of it um, <laughs> more of like uh, the productive side I like um, you know between workplace relationships what are kind of the signs when when we're talking about parasitic behaviour where it seems great you've got like your work wife work spouse whatever um, you know the colleague that you lean on and you think you're working together you think you're working in a symbiotic way mm. but what are the signs when it starts going into that other sphere and into using the, you, yeah pretty yeah. much
0: I mean I think if that's the case and that was probably all the always the case you know I think it's not a thing about I don't think it's ever you have a relationship and then it turns I think it's probably they were using you from the start and Ugh. people <laughs> and people like that I mean they could be they could be you know antisocial people they could be narcissists they could be just plain abusive um, or they could just be somebody who has a massive ego and they think they can use you and manipulate you for their own gain. Um, and I think some of the signs that that's happening is if somebody, you know, if you I think you can just start to feel a little bit off about them. You can start to feel like you're going a little bit mad because they'll say one thing and then they'll say that they did a different thing. And you'll, you'll think, wait a minute, they did didn't do that you know like I I came up with that idea they didn't come up with that idea but then they'll keep on taking credit for your ideas they'll keep on taking credit for your work and maybe they'll have secret meetings without you and things like that basically gaslighting you and gaslighting is basically where somebody makes you feel like you're going crazy because they want you to go along with their own narrative they want you to think that you're not capable of the things that they're capable of because you don't have as good a sense of reality as they do. So they'll say things like, oh, you know, I did this thing. Oh, I came up with this idea. And you'll think, I came up with that idea. <laughs> and so, like, if that just keeps happening and you keep getting this sense of something's a little bit off, then that's a really big sign that this person is not your friend. They're not looking out for anybody but themselves and their own ego. Yeah, so I mean,
1: really with it, it sounds that we, when we think about relationships, we think about it in the non-work sense. We think about with partners, we think about with friends and, you know, those can be abusive. But I don't think that um, a lot has been really acknowledged and talked about of how workplace relationships can be abusive and Mm. it doesn't um in any sexual sense but more in the um day-to-day the kind of mental play that goes with it and so i mean on the parasite side um there's i think what we can i mean it would be great to hear if there are um, some of these kind of parasites that have you know reflect into human relationships just how Parasitic behaviour can affect a host in terms of making it hallucinate, making it think different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there must be some.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Even uh, you know what we were talking about before, kind of leading off um, your point uh, earlier. It's not working, I guess, altruistically. Like there is um, a set gain for both parties in the symbiotic relationship. But that indeed can quickly turn when, um, uh, again, just trying to you know help themselves then becomes like a detriment to the host. Um, so yeah, I mean a couple of uh, examples certainly in humans. I mean there's there is certainly loads and loads in uh, across the animal kingdom. Um, but yeah, even in humans, like we're not special in that sense. Like um, we can still have these uh, infections, these uh, invasions from parasites that will then. Um, uh, yeah, subconsciously uh, alter us both physically and mentally so there's a lot of evidence at the moment uh, regarding a, a parasitic um, uh, uh, yeah entity called Toxoplasma Toxoplasma gondii um, and uh, yeah you can get that through um, like eating uncooked meat and this kind of thing it's actually really prevalent um, like a quite a large proportion of the uh, general population are infected with it um, however it Seems relatively asymptomatic. Um, uh, you know, you don't generally, it would be people that are, for example, like very young or immune compromised, where they would then get more kind of like actual classical kind of sickness, right? However, um, even in these uh, asymptomatic individuals, it's uh, been shown that, yeah, like slight changes in personality can occur. Um, wow. uh, yeah <laughs> um, uh, even down to things like so um, risk aversion so um, it has been shown um, in uh, some studies and even some kind of um, what they call like meta studies where they essentially take data from lots of different studies and kind of um, uh, uh, collate them together um, uh, the yeah people in, that are infected tend to be a little bit um, uh, yeah more kind of uh, show more risk-taking behavior um uh I mean there's then a little bit of kind of controversy I guess in terms of if that correlation is actually causal um you know if you're just in general, more risk t- taking personality. Are you more likely to eat undercooked meat? Um, Get more uh,
0: parasites generally. Exactly. I
2: right? do you like know. a lot um, of steak
1: tartare. I just <laughs> like well, to say. This so is it. So, can I still um, eat uh, this?
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, and again, like it generally, it won't make you like. Well, actually, it might make you sick. But for something completely different. Like
0: don't anything <laughs> dangerous. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly put uh, off after this
2: <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Don't just start eating raw meat, please. Um, uh, yeah. know th- that uh, doctor on that podcast said that we could like. <laughs> and I am. a medical doctor (laughs) Um, so but again like there is then some evidence that say that actually maybe it is causal in terms of um, uh, they can actually now uh, look to see essentially like how long you've been infected and the longer you've been infected tends to exacerbate this risk-taking behaviour, seeming to show that that maybe there is this kind of uh, causal uh, aspect to the infection itself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, as well, um, in much more... Um, uh, well, i say a much much less subtle way, um, like rabies, for instance, um, which is, yeah, like a viral infection, but still nevertheless causes extreme changes in um, behaviour as it begins to take hold.
1: Well, we're going to take a short break, and then after that we'd love to uh, hear more about this human (laughs) behaviour. Absolutely. So stay tuned after this. We were just talking, obviously, about the fact that parasites, when they affect the host, it can turn into very uh, psychotic behavior, and I suppose this is a perfect way to segue into narcissism, psychopathy all our favourite topics that we love to talk about with work, especially if it comes to psycho bosses, right? So, Lindsay, I know that you have written a lot on this subject. Um, One could say that you're slightly obsessed with psychos. A little Uh, bit, A little bit. Um, So, I mean, we, we were talking a bit about before, like some of those traits that we see emerging. Andrew just talked about the fact that parasites can adapt this behavior within a host range from the more risk-taking to the gone crazy rabies style so unpacking it from your point of view from psychology and workplace relationships like what are kind of the ways that you can see narcissistic traits that build up into something bigger
0: it's interesting because I was just thinking about whether a parasite knows it's a parasite, <laughs> like, and I think you could possibly oh, say,
1: <laughs> you know, wow. like... Psychology and philosophy because, in one podcast. Yeah,
0: what, what is parasite? <laughs> um, what is life? What is life? <laughs> because, you know, a parasite, it doesn't really want to kill its host, does it? I mean, to, like, go through its life cycle, it just, it wants to, like, be... It wants to keep the host going. It just wants to drain like a long little enough. bit of its life. Yeah, long, long enough. Long enough. So it doesn't care either way, right? Like, no, not really. <laughs>
2: um, not Certainly not in the long term, no. Um, sure. uh, but yeah, so just, um, again, context and timing, really, yeah.
0: Sure. Because like in work, if you have manipulators, whether they are, you know, psychopathic, sociopathic, narcissistic, whatever, um, they probably don't want to end the company that they're within. They just want to, you know, work their way up. They're just if it's not too much of an obvious metaphor, going through their own life cycle, right? They they have the big ego. They are, like, sadistic. They, you know, are manipulative and they just want to get to being the best. Probably not through their own work, but through other people's, you know, parasitizing off theirs. And I was actually reading about one parasite, some sort of parasitic fungi, and I think it infects ants and it basically makes them... Climb to the top of plants, hang there, and then for some reason that completes their life cycle. It's
2: cordyceps. Right? Yes, I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the one. I mean, there is a couple like that. Um, uh, yeah, some inf- infect ants, others infect moths, and again, yeah, kind of change their behavior. The, yeah, exactly that. They will um, completely out of the ordinary ants, the, these ants wouldn't usually do this, will climb to, um, not even necessarily the top of the tree, they'll basically climb to an area that has a level of humidity that is optimal for the fungus to grow um, uh, the, it's really gross when you see the videos, but yeah, the, uh, fungus will then just <laughs> basically Googling. burst. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, will then burst out of like alien will like burst out of this ant. The uh, fungus will then sporulate and kind of dust then because it's again a bit higher up, it's then able to kind of dust the forest floor with more spores, infect more ants. And so the cycle continues. Yeah. That's yeah. Cordyceps. And yeah, again, there's a few others that are very similar. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So in the workplace, I mean, when we on on that note, I mean, on when we're talking about narcissism and those uh, you know, sociopaths or at least people who have sociopathic cy- psychopathic traits, mm. that's pretty normal though, right, for leaders in the workplace. We have touched upon this briefly in another episode, but it would be really good to hear like about how How does this happen? But what can we actually, if you're not a sociopath or a psychopath, uh, take away from it? What can you learn? What can you learn from those people in order to, you know, steal yourself but also do better?
0: Well, I'd argue it's not just leadership. I think everyone is pretty much on the psychopathic spectrum. It's not... That doesn't mean everyone's a full-blown psychopath and everyone wants to, like, you know... Nobody has empathy, but, you know... Psychopath, it's more of a kind of colloquial term. You know, it means that somebody in the DSM, for example, it says that it's antisocial personality disorder. Um, there's no actual definition for psychopath or sociopath. Um, narcissistic personality disorder does have its own section, um, which is sort of about ego grandiosity, sort of having very much contempt for other people. Um And yeah, we're all kind of, we all have certain traits, we all can be a little bit like Machiavelli sometimes, you know, the ends justifies the means. (laughs) And I think we can all like, you know, admit that we perhaps have, you know, done things that perhaps weren't so ethical, but you know, in the end, it came around that it was beneficial to either you or somebody else. Um, We all have a little bit of an ego, I'd argue that's a good thing. it's not a bad thing to big yourself up sometimes. It's only a problem if you're doing it to the absolute detriment of everyone else and everything else. And, you know, that includes your company. Um, and, you know, having some sort of sense of entitlement also good because otherwise you're probably not going to get anything you deserve. You're going to, like, let everyone else go in front of you because you're not going to think that you're entitled to anything. Um, you know, some things I think there are actually nine dark personality traits and some of them are don't have any benefits at all. What are they? We need to know. What like, are, and everyone's going like to be sadism, at home thinking. For example, and, like, you know, maybe not you don't want you don't want people to like you don't want somebody to like cause you harm just because they like harming people. You know, so there's, there's not really any benefit in that one. So if, so if you're feeling a bit sadistic, that's probably not a great thing. Um, spitefulness, which we can all. You know, we can all relate to, but that's obviously probably not beneficial either. You know, you've heard the phrase, cut off your nose to spite your face. I mean, it's mm. always true. <laughs> like, no one, yeah, yeah,
1: that's that's cropped up from time to time <laughs> throughout probably everyone's careers, right? So. Yeah,
0: but it is true that you can use certain traits to your advantage. You know, it's it's you shouldn't feel bad about putting yourself forward. You shouldn't feel bad if you think, I'm really good for this. I should really go for it i should you know knock everyone else out of the way because i know i'd be perfect for this role this position you know and we can unfortunately learn a little bit from narcissists in that respect so are you saying
1: that we should also just really accept that there are always going to be narcissists in the workplace and instead of trying to combat it it's use it to more of our advantage
0: sure i mean to an extent i mean I think it really is definitely on a case by case basis because sometimes you will be in a position and say your boss is narcissistic, for example, say he's all about himself, say he just doesn't care about anybody but himself and he is taking your work, he's making you do work and has taken credit for it and all of this stuff. And it's just really getting you down, it's really draining you of all of your life force. I mean, is there a way out of that? I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think I'm qualified to answer that, but you know. I think it's always you have to judge it yourself you know is can i you know shut this guy person out am i able to not listen to them am i able to like turn them away from me and like get on with my job or am i not and i think that's what it comes down to
1: So on the point that parasites um, and parasitic behavior is pretty much emotionally draining. I mean, within the science, right, there are parasites that are just sucking out all the, I suppose, life force of their host quite quickly.
2: Yeah. So um, it kind of, yeah, makes me think of... um, And again, I guess it uh, depends on uh, necessarily the definition of um, a parasite, but even say like a a bacterial infection, like a, uh, at the moment I work on a bacteria called Shigella, which um, uh, causes, uh, yeah, basically a bacillic dysentery. Um, And yeah, I mean, that in invades the host um uh, for its own benefit, so it can reproduce um and very very quickly um you will get very very ill um so within like a day or two um uh, Shigella itself as well has an incredibly low um infectious dose so you only need like around 10 uh, bacterial cells um to cause like very significant sickness um and yeah and so that will be like very very quickly um, what's kind of interesting as well in these kind of uh, in these relationships, uh, in these um, pathogenic uh, infections, um, is actually a lot of the problems that we have are actually our own kind of immune system as well. So there's also uh, the aspect of our own defences. Are then what makes us feel sick, and there's then uh, interplay between the two, in that the parasite or the pathogen will alter our own immune system to again to better serve its own ends, um, uh, but eventually it becomes almost a pyrrhic victory for the uh, parasite, for the pathogen, because eventually our immune system will overcome. Shigella is a, yeah, as an example, where it will hijack uh, part of our immune system to spread, but eventually we win out and uh, usually, yeah, we'll clear it within like a week or two. I mean, a couple of weeks of absolute hell, (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, eventually we, we do overcome. Yeah.
1: There's two things in that that I definitely need you to <laughs> unpack, Lindsay. So first of all, I mean, the fact that with that parasite saying that, you, get, you know, the it's also partly to do with the immune system that it's weak. So, I mean, in terms of human behavior, when we do have, see those parasitic relationships, or let's say it's happened to you when you've had a... Um, That kind of relationship happening at work. Does that mean you're a weak person and actually do they prey on the weak and does that make you, I suppose, like, you know, buck up a bit?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I mean, this is a common misconception about abusive people and the people that they target. Often you'll think, oh, you know, if you were preyed on either in, you know, a work relationship or even like in a a romantic relationship, they'll think, oh, you must have been weak, you must have had vulnerabilities, you must have been very much exposed, you must have, you know, fallen into a trap very easily. Um, But actually, in reality, if somebody is abusive, if they're they're a narcissist or if they're on the dark personality spectrum, they will go after people when they see strengths in them they see that they are very accomplished they'll see that they're very either beautiful or clever or you know very successful all these kind of things that they are jealous of because they things about narcissists is they both think they're great and they also hate themselves so it's like oh, what they a wonderful see, place to be <laughs> so they see these people and they think why are they so happy why are they so successful i'm going to tear that down or i'm going to use it for my own gain um so yeah i mean it's it's just not true that these it's you're weak if you get preyed on it just means that you have something you need to protect actually a psychologist i speak to quite a lot called shannon thomas um she calls it like a jewel you're carrying around a jewel and narcissists are attracted to anything that's shiny and sparkly and that is your jewel and that is your like great qualities that you have and they want to take it and they want to steal it and they want to you know wear it down break it you know make it duller Um, And so I guess you could say that your immune system is you saying no to them is you like getting stronger and saying no every time that they try and take advantage of you saying absolutely no I don't want to do that or actually that's my idea how dare you take my idea and actually eventually if you stay strong at work and you keep on telling them that you're not going to be taken advantage of they will eventually leave you alone.
1: Yeah. And I mean, on that front and especially on the other side of, of that, uh, that example on parasites is that it's the speed at which sometimes this can happen. So we were talking about before how some of it can be symbiotic and it takes a long time for it to degrade um, that kind of relationship. But with these ones that are at speed, I mean, at the same time. You know, there's in in the workplace, there are examples that, you know, with people with narcissistic tendencies or sociopathic traits, you know, they get stuff done. And that's kind of the reason why they get, you know, apart from obviously manipulating and backstabbing and all the other things. (laughs) um, Sometimes they do just get stuff done, which makes them rise to the top a lot quicker than maybe people who are more empathetic and want to do it the more humane way of when you progress in your career. But when it comes to that, I mean, is that something that we can take away from that or is that actually something that should be stamped out? Because it feels like it's always encouraged. It's encouraged to be that person to always have to get it done quickly. And if they're showing results, you know, within the workplace, does anyone really care
0: as the means to how they got there? I feel like they should care eventually, though, because, yes, maybe somebody can rise through the ranks if they parasitize off everyone else's success. But, you know, if you are a workplace or a boss who is being manipulated by these kind of people, eventually in your company, all you're going to have is a load of parasites and they're going to have nobody else left to, like, parasitize on. You know, (laughs) there's going to be nobody left to, you know, steal work from. There's no
2: host left.
0: Yeah, there's no host left. It's like the uh, ants with the exploding stuff coming out of his <laughs> yeah, head. It's yeah. exploded and it's gone.
1: <laughs> what do you parasites do when there's, like, no host to feed off, um,
2: actually? Die. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so... Um, I don't know I mean, why. I was they...
1: hoping you'd go, like, I don't know, they explode or something. I know. Obviously, I'm <laughs> they not that dumb either. we like, yeah, like, in, like, in a way uh, exploding cordyceps,
2: so, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, if they, if they don't have it, they require their host, um, you know, some uh, might yeah they might have part of their life cycle that are uh, like a spore for instance which uh, can uh, last for a certain amount of time um outside uh, in you know air or water or something like that but eventually they do require the host because um again they need that um the like the nutrients or even like the kind of biomechanical biochemical machinery within the host um uh, you know viruses for instance like they're technically not even living beings they're um, uh, just uh, a small uh, piece of nucleic acid like dna or rna um, and maybe a couple of proteins like they're not able to reproduce on their own they require our um uh, yeah machinery to be able to reproduce so yeah outside of a host, um, definitely, like without a host, like their time is numbered for sure. Yeah.
1: Do they ever, um, well, I suppose it would have happened over a long period of time in evolution, right? But I mean, have there been any examples, studies where they've actually had to adapt to that environment where obviously environments have been changing and therefore the usual host that they may have had like hundreds of years ago is either no longer around as much or extinct and therefore have to find different ways to survive?
2: um yeah definitely evolution is uh, like this kind of natural selection is is always occurring particularly um uh, and yeah it can be particularly quick um if uh, these uh, particular microorganisms or your know, virus viral particles whatever um you know they've got quick li- life cycles so they're able to um adapt a bit quickly um uh, so you know even things like for example um yeah, S I the jump from S I V to uh, yeah uh, simian uh, immunodeficiency virus that infects you know, primates, monkeys, that kind of thing. Um, that then jumping to uh, human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, um, uh, the like bird flu, um, the swine flu, that kind of thing, where again they've uh, jumped to uh, another host. Um, we're seeing that a lot with things like deforestation, and that where there, <laughs> there just isn't their usual host left, so they kind of yeah they're forced to make that jump. And the ones that can't, well, they die, um, uh, so they're no longer able to reproduce. Whereas uh, the ones that are able to make that jump because they've maybe mutated slightly, or well, they are then naturally selected and uh, yeah can continue. I'd love to
1: get kind of look ahead that how we can try and stem this parasitic behaviour in the workplace, especially when it comes to recruiting. That's kind of a great time, right, to stamp out some of those kind of behaviours before it even
0: begins. It's going to be difficult because on the surface people like narcissists are very charming you know they're very very good at getting people on their side that's why they're very good at recruiting other people to go along with their games we call them flying monkeys or sometimes apaths in <laughs> psychology um you know like in the wizard of oz because he's like fly monkeys fly so they go and do all their dirty work for them um so you couldn't do that if you weren't pretty charming right um so it's gonna be hard yeah exactly um so, yeah, it's going to be pretty difficult, but I think some things you can look out for is if you feel that they're pushing a lot of boundaries um, because um, people with dark personality traits, they're very much risk takers and they like like to push back on people. So if you feel that they're kind of pushing boundaries and they're kind of making you feel a little bit uncomfortable about the kind of things that they're suggesting, that's a, that's a big sign. Um, and if you feel like they're trying to contradict you and they are sort of making you feel like they're making themselves out to be better than they are. If they're saying things that sound a little bit false or a little bit exaggerated, that's probably a sign. Um, so trust your gut, basically. And one thing God's is bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and when they are, if you do find yourself working with someone because it's going to happen, just yep, keep saying no and have firm boundaries, and don't hold them accountable. I think that's a really important thing. Is they're not going to change. They're going to keep looking out for number one all the time. And if you try and get them to apologize for them wronging you, or they keep trying to like, get some sort of payback or whatever, they're only ever going to win. So the way you win is by walking away. We now have to wrap up, sadly.
1: Listeners, do not forget that you can find the show notes and helpful articles under the Work and Management channel on uk.finance.yahoo.com. And of course, if you like this episode and we didn't put you off your food for life, please rate, subscribe and tell your friends about us. And while you're at it, download the Yahoo Finance app for unparalleled access to data and alerts on the go.
2: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There. Produced by Liana Brinded and Caitlin Mercer. Recorded, edited, and mixed by Lolita Laguna. And music by Gregory Moore.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer.